Hello and welcome to the Stack Magazine's podcast. My name is Stephen Watson, I'm the founder of Stack, and this week I'm speaking to David Holtz, one half of the joint venture that's bringing cult music magazine Wax Poetics back to the newsstand. David came over to our offices back in June and when he first made contact, I thought he was involved in bringing the magazine back to European shops after a year away. But as you'll hear, it's more significant than that because actually the US version of the magazine is currently only available via print on demand. So this new project is the only English language version that will be available to buy in shops anywhere in the world. The magazine will be made by the original editorial team, but David is coming at this from a brand consultant's point of view. And as you'll hear, he's both a fan and a businessman who sees it as a way of proving his chops in lifestyle culture. They're beginning with a collector's edition, which will be in shops in just a couple of weeks' time in early August. And the plan is to produce two new issues next year with a view to seeing whether this is a magazine that can once again hold its own on the newsstand. He's clearly very passionate about the magazine and about entering this exciting world of independent publishing. So I hope you'll enjoy this conversation with David Holt about the new version of Wax Poetics. David, thank you very much for stopping in and seeing us at Somerset House. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me on. So you're the man who is bringing Wax Poetics back to Europe. Tell us, maybe first of all, for anyone who doesn't know the magazine, what is it all about? Well, I'm one half of the team that's bringing Wax Poetics back to Europe. Uh, my, My business has a joint venture with the original guys who set up Wax Poetics, For those that don't know, the magazine is an American music magazine. It was started in 2001 by Coastally and it had offices in in New York. It was a quarterly journal and all focused around sort of black American music, funk, soul, jazz, disco, and then sort of wider associated musics like reggae, uh, Brazilian, African, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, the the magazine, it's about crate digging. It sort of goes back to the people that are interested in going to dusty record shops, uh, people that are interested in, in music music discovery, and it, it was very headsy. Um, and over the years, it turned into, into a cult magazine. People loved it. It had these brilliant covers. They had like one artist on the cover, this great title, Wax Poetics. It's a brilliant name in a bright colour. And you just you just see it in the record shop and, and, and pick it up. And it, it just gave you a sort of depth uh, to music journalism that that wasn't in the market. There was other titles, Straight No Chaser, things like that. But Wax Poetics really stood out, um, and I don't I don't think it's been in the market since actually since it, it stopped being a sort of newsstand title. Uh, so that was two thousand and eighteen. So last year that they they moved out of Europe basically. Yeah. So the magazine you can actually still buy the magazine. It's print on demand and it's ad hoc issue. So please go to Wax Poetics and buy buy the issue. It's a print issue, which is great. But it's, it's stopped being uh, generic. Uh, you can buy it on the newsstand title in, in 2018, yeah. But how about in the US? The, is, is the, is that it... was globally. Ah, right, okay, okay. So actually, we're going to have the only newsstand version of Wax Poetics in Europe. Currently, as it stands, yes. Yeah. 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 All right, so I mean, we normally speak to the people who are actually making the magazines so that's yeah. different in your case 
How did this whole arrangement come about? Yeah, it's quite quite an interesting story. So I actually own a brand consultancy called Holson Co. And all our work is within what we term lifestyle culture. So music, sport, fashion, entertainment. And I actually think it's a very easy thing to say you do working culture. And it's actually a very difficult thing to, to do. You have to understand the world. So I was actually looking for a project for the business that would allow us to prove our sort of cultural chops. And I had, had no real agenda with that. It could have been supporting an event. It could have been partnerships. It could have been digital media. And I was actually at home sorting out some records. And I found 30 to 40 copies of uh, Wax Poetics. And it was a bit of that, you know, the, the light bulb moment. I was like, that's my project. So I rewound back from there, got in touch with the sort of remaining original editorial team, Brian and Dennis, um, based in the US. And I guess what started then was a, a year-long getting, getting to know each other period, lots of late-night Skypes to, to the West Coast. You know, I, ha- I had to prove that, you know, I was genuine uh, 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 about this. And eventually we sort of hit on the fact that maybe a sort of joint venture w- would be a good way forward. Uh, so the way it's netted out is Wax Poetics will be doing the all the editorial. I don't actually touch how the magazine is created. And I, that was that was a... definite for me and my business will handle all the commercials so brand partnerships marketing distribution and all the sort of boring things like that but it's it's the original editorial team who are making it and we've gone a little bit further than that when the magazine first came out one of the things that attracts people to it is its unique size and its unique logo and the colorways and during like later issues they played with that a little bit and i think it wasn't as successful as they'd hoped. So we're actually returning it back to the cult size and the cult logo, just 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 so people, new audiences can see it, really. So the magazine last year went online only. There's obviously been a, you know, like a, a series of reasons for them doing that. But then that must mean that you must think that there's something you can do that brings it back to the newsstand and and makes a real go of it on a newsstand so what what do you like what are you going to be doing differently this time no i mean that's that's a really good question and and obviously i i don't know uh, i would be speaking out of turn if if i commented on the commercial reasons why it wasn't on, on the newsstand doing things differently i think you know they've got a great product the wax poetics is an amazing product and there's a there's a couple of reasons why i thought it it, it would come back one is there's a gap in that journalism. There is some really good magazines out there. Uh, the Move are doing some really good stuff in, in, in music. But also there's this rapid rise of indie publishing. And I'm a huge fan of that. Uh, I've done it in my, in my brand work. And it feels, when you look at the, the spectrum of those indie magazines, there isn't a huge amount of music within them. There's a lot of food, there's a lot of sport. There's a few good music ones. Record is a very good magazine. And I just feel that Wax Poetics deserves to be back in that gap. What, what we add value in is a certain level of expertise in terms of brand work. Uh, so actually we've been able to bring on brand partners to this issue. So Harman Kardon are supporting it. They're a, they're a high-end audio brand, which is great and a certain level of marketing expertise and creative expertise. And I guess our business is current. We're in the market. We do a lot of work within music. So, yeah, I think that's the value that, that we are adding. Um, 
it's we're trialing it with this first collector's edition. Two more issues next year, and then we'll see where see where it goes. Okay, so you mentioned the collector's edition. So you're you're coming back with a, a, a mag which has got some old stuff from the archives and some new stuff as well. So maybe tell us a bit about what will be in this first one. Yeah, okay. So it, there's two routes on the content. There's sort of stuff from the vaults uh, and and there's some new articles. Now, Wax Poetics, each magazine had a theme or a, or a loose identity. And what we've done with this one is go with jazz. And there's a, there's a couple of reasons for that. The first one is jazz is just having a moment right now. It's everywhere. Uh, and the second reason for that is... One of, one of the things that I'm seeing, and it's a theory of mine, I don't know if this is actually true, but it's a theory of mine. I'm seeing a younger generation get into music via jazz, whereas people have said my generation would get into music via hip-hop. And jazz just seems to be the root. So obviously Wax Poetics has its cult following, but we also need to reach a new audience, and jazz seems to be a good idea so some of the articles from the vaults i'm not going to give too much away are people like uh, melvin bliss roy Ayers, gary bartz and then the new articles is a bit of a juxtaposition so we've got stuff from the 90s acid jazz scene and then a deep dive into into the into the london jazz scene but the power of the magazine is already illustrated you know some of the artists in this london jazz scene are, are very very underground and don't don't get interviewed don't want to be interviewed are off the radar and obviously we've had journalists write, writing this piece and a couple of artists have come to us and said, because it's Wax Poetics, we want to be featured. And I just think that's like, that's amazing. And I was chatting with Brian, the editor, the other day, and I was like, you must be pleased about that. It shows the quality and the, the reverence and the, and the respect that people have for the title. Um, so yeah, it's a, that's what's going to be featured. And the next one, watch this space. Okay, so, the, so then for future issues then, are you still thinking that you'll have that mix of the archive and the new, or will it, like, will it be a different approach? At this moment in time, it's probably still a mix of archive and new. I think it all depends on this issue and where, where we go and how it develops and budgets. Eventually, we'd like to be producing two new issues a year, completely fresh. Um, there's a lot of great content in What's Poetics, and I feel that the audience can, can see it again and also the new audience can, can read it. So there's a lot of depth there, which we, we, we're happy about. But yeah, we want to make fresh content and you know it's all down to budgets and developments and those sorts of things. But yeah, it's something we're talking about. So this is an American magazine and you're bringing it to, to Europe as, you know, this is the, the only print version of, of the magazine. What stops you from saying right from the start, okay, we're going to be in the States as well? Just to correct that, it's not the only print version that you can buy a print-on-demand version from, from, from the website. Sorry, on, on newsstand? Yeah, so that's just the arrangement that we have and that's how we've negotiated it. Obviously, um, Wax Poetics, Brian Dennis didn't want to cannibalise their US operation um, and I think there's other various sort of arrangements elsewhere in the world. Um, but yeah, and obviously Europe is a market that we know. So very simply, there's not really a sort of deep commercial thinking. It's, it's just location, status, contacts, uh, and their, their, their current commercial operation. So when you're making a print mag like this, a massive part of the, the challenge is in making sure it gets in front of the right people. Mm -hmm. And so um, you're going to be distributed by Anten, 
um, getting it into, like the, I guess, the bookshops and the magazine shops, but also really smartly, you're going to be distributed to record shops um, by Rush Hour Records. So what, like, what's the story behind that one? Yeah, well, I, I owe a big thank you on that one, actually, to a gentleman called Ali Giliani, who owns First Word Records. And when I was planning this operation uh, or this, this, this approach, I just, I know Ali for over the, over the years and I went for coffee with him and he advised me on a few record distributors that should go see and then did introductions. And I spoke with a couple of them, but Rush Hour Records, obviously they're a very, you know, happening record shop right now in Amsterdam, very important, you know, one of the famous record shops in the world. And they have this big dis- distribution operation around Europe. But the vibe that I got from those guys, Antal, who's the owner and sort of one of the biggest DJs in Europe, I guess now, and Mark, who handles their distribution, is they just really cared about about the product and they were just very passionate about it. Uh, And they just wanted to give it a go. And I just got a feeling culturally and personality-wise that they would really push it. And so far, so good. The magazine was always distributed uh, via record shops. There was this US uh, record shop, famous record shop actually called Fat Beats. And it was a New York hip hop shop that then grew into record label distribution and so on. And the magazine was distributed by those guys. And subsequently, I didn't know this, but the Fat Beats European operation was actually in Amsterdam. And I didn't know that. I found that out in this, in, in this process. So there's actually a sort of heritage to loose heritage to wax poetics being in Amsterdam anyway. So the rush hour thing just made sense. Um, and it, it is going quite well. Yeah, they, they, they're, they're doing well. It's been on pre-sale for a few weeks and we're happy with where it's at. It's just gone just gone on pre-sale uh, with Antenne, which is great. I'm meeting Brian tomorrow. Uh, and then, you know, we will do some direct sales as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, the, I mean, ultimately, you want to make sure that the magazine is getting in front of people in, like, the right moments. Like, mm-hmm. the, you know, you, you could... You could go to WH Smith and have it in shops all over the place, but if that's not where your readers are going to be, then it's kind of pointless even being there. Yeah. Yeah, it's a print title, and it's a print title about music. So the real only agenda that we had was to get it back onto record uh, shops, you know, in, into the stores, and the, the proper record shops that we all know, Piccadilly Records in Manchester, Sounds of the Universe, Fonica, Rush Hour, so on and so on and so on. Um I also think it's important that the magazine begins to live a bit elsewhere. So we're lucky enough with the work that we do in the context that we have to be able to attend a few events. So we're hopefully going to be at We Out Here Festival, which is the New Giles Pizza Festival. We've we've very kindly been offered uh, Athenaeum Books in um, Amsterdam. They very kindly offered to do a big event around uh, ADE week. So timing wise, that's great. Also, we're printing a certain amount that we can then send to DJs, artists, just to gift it and get it back out there. But the real, the real core, the, the, the thing that I will take some success from is when I see it on, you know, a record shop that I really respect on, on, on their shelf. And I, I can't wait to see that moment because it's going to happen and it's getting very close. Right. So getting very close. So, so it's August that the, the magazine launches. Yes, yeah, so it's it's nearly ready to go to print. Um, it will be printed middle of July with our distributors end of July, and then however long that takes to distribute into into the shop. So early August it'll be there. So you've been involved with print before through your business. So you, um, I know that you've done uh, magazines with Major League Baseball in the US. This is obviously the nervy point where you know 
I mean, if a mistake's going to creep in, like now's the time when it creeps in, that how, how involved do you get in the process of like checking everything and, and making sure it's running properly? Well, we'll see. Um, <laughs> look, Brian, Brian is one of the original editors and he's an experienced magazine maker. One of the things I was really chuffed about the other day, we, we have these sort of infrequent Skypes. And I asked him, you know, how, how do you feel it's going? And he was like, it's like the old days. Now, to me, that was a huge compliment because there's a certain energy and excitement in it. In terms of checking, in terms of uh, all those sorts of things, yeah, we are involved because it's being printed locally. It's not being printed in the US. So we've actually proactively built relationship with our printer. We've had a couple of meetings with them, double-checked on the work that they can do, made sure that... They are printing magazines, not brochures, which which they are doing. Uh, they're UK based, and then they'll drop it into 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 Amsterdam. So we feel very confident there. So in terms of checking words and things like that, don't know. Uh, but the process, we're, we're we're involved, but not on the editorial side. So you said that the, the success for you is when you see this on the shelf in a magazine shop that you love and you love going to. What about from the business point of view? So you you know you're you're doing this. Partly because you're a fan and you, you want to be involved, but you're also doing it as part of the, the the company that you run. How will you know if this thing is working? Well, I already know actually, and there's two ways that, from my business Holt and Co's perspective, that we'll judge it. And there's there's the hard factors, obviously revenue, and that's that's sort of less important at this moment in time because. We're returning the brand through passion and through, through love. And then there's the soft factors, and that is the people that we're getting exposed to, the people that we're meeting, uh, and where it's taking us. And obviously, you know, I didn't know the guys at Rush Hour ahead of this process. I didn't know the guys at West Poetics ahead of this process. I didn't have that case study ahead of this process. So those soft factors are, are amazing. And, and also, there's things in the pipeline for 2020 that we've, we're very excited about. I, I, I don't want to talk about them because they're not done deals and I don't want to tempt fate, such would. Um, but these are serious cultural brands that have heavyweight interest in the worlds that they, they, they operate in. And they're excited about what, what we're doing. And I just feel that Wax Poetics can, can, can really move forward and it's just a very exciting place to be. And I guess that's how I'm measuring it, you know, the excitement and the energy that both myself and, and Brian has uh, about pushing it forward. And so that, that's all in the context of Wax Poetics, but how about other magazines? Is this the start of you now bringing a, a series of magazines back into print and back onto the shelves? It's opened the door into another area of my business. I've always wanted to have like the brand consultancy, and it's great, you know, you, you do different briefs, you, chat, you have different problems, but I love print and it's, it's kind of hard to explain where the love for print has come from. And I, I was trying to think of sort of stories and I was looking back into, into, into my youth and it seems that every key moment in my life there's been a magazine there and I'm just quite passionate about it. So like in the, in the 90s when I was getting into music, we went on holiday to the US and it was the Source magazine, you know, brilliant, right? I'm into rap music. I've never heard of it before. Great. And then as you sort of grow up, it was things like, you know, I remember being in like, Sainsbury's in the north going shopping with my mum and seeing things like the face and just buying that just out of intrigue and then getting into DJ Mag and then then obviously growing up into Wax Poetics and we just have a sort of love for, for, for print and 
I feel that is a good area of our business. Print is here to stay. It's quite unique. You can do some very interesting brand work with it as well. But also it's producing something that is tangible. You know, it's not a life of PowerPoints. It's actually, right, that's what, that's what we produce. That audience is genuinely enjoying that. Get quite a lot of reward from it. So in terms of future magazines, yes, hopefully there is some prelim conversations going on. But yeah, we'll, we'll watch this space. My, my key focus really is getting Wax Poetics going and seeing it on the, on the record shelf, on the record store shelves. That, that, that has been the main drive through all of it. And through all the excitement, we've not lost track of that. Excellent. Well, very good luck with this last little stage of getting the first new Wax Poetics out. Uh, and we'll look forward to seeing what comes after that. Yeah, thank you very much. And thank you very much for, for having me on here. It's been great. Uh, I do appreciate it. You know, Wax Poetics, the guys that, you know, you look at it, it's, it's their, their life work, really. They should be amazingly proud. And I hope that we do it justice. And um, I'm very excited to see it on the shelves. And, you know, it's going to happen in the next six weeks. <laughs> Okay, that's all for this week. I'd like to say thanks again to David for coming over and speaking to me. And of course, very good luck with the reintroduction of the magazine. The Stack podcast is going to take a little summer break now. You might have noticed that we didn't manage to get an episode up last week. That wasn't planned. Uh, we were moving office to another room in Somerset House uh, and it took way longer than I expected. So I was basically building IKEA furniture and moving boxes last week instead of recording an episode. But I'm going to be off on holiday for a couple of weeks in August, so everything's going to go a bit quiet. But then we'll be back in September with more conversations with independent magazine makers. Before I go, though, I'd like to point you towards the Stack Awards, which are now open for entries with some big and exciting new developments. Uh, you can read more about all of that on the Stack site, but for the first time this year, we've got sponsors involved with individual categories, which means we're going to be handing out cash prizes to our winners. Uh, for example, we're giving £1,000 to the winner of Magazine of the Year, uh, presented in association with Adobe InDesign, uh, and there's almost £4,000 worth of prizes split across the other categories and um, go to stackmagazines.com forward slash awards to see all the details of the categories uh, our judges and how to apply and i really hope that if you make an independent magazine you'll get involved and help us to make this one our best awards yet okay thank you very much for listening all the way through to the end of this one i hope you have a lovely summer and we'll be back with a whole new season of the stack magazines podcast in september <laughs>